<laughs> nothing but net. Nice one, Will. High five. Thanks, Chris. Come on, Will. Pass me the ball. You got it, Matt. We're best friends. Hey, Will, there's some sweaty guy walking this way. He looks jealous or something. Oh, great. Will. Ugh. John, what are you doing here? What if I told you about playing basketball, Will? Whoa, man, don't, like, wig out. Take a chill pill! John, can you wait? I'm trying to shoot some hoots with my boys. No, I can't wait. I've told you over and over again, Will. There's no future in basketball. Right, let me guess. But there's a future in podcasting. Podcasting? It's true, Will. Don't you want to have a career one day? Recording your opinions about mediocre movies on a weekly basis? Even if you don't feel like it? John, you don't understand. When I'm out here on the court listening to my block, I feel something. Something I don't get when I'm stuck behind some microphone. I'm not you, John. I gotta do me. Ugh. Forget it. Man, I've never seen Will look so mad before. I did once before, but this is pretty bad. Sorry, but do I know you guys? We met briefly last year during the Cinemaholics review of Scoob, where you traveled back in time to the 70s. I was there too. Guys, I, I just don't know what to do. I know Will loves the game, the thrill of the dribble, the ecstasy of the swish. I don't want to take that away from him. I, I just want him to realize his potential in the wildly lucrative world of monetized podcasting. Yeah, I get that. Maybe there's a way we can trick Will. Sure, we could just approach him casually and start talking about a new movie. Then he'll realize he has room in his heart for both. You two would do that for me? No, but we would do it for Will. Yeah, you seem kind of sketch. Works for me. Okay, but where did Will go off to pout? I see him over there sitting on the ground with a basketball hug close to his chest. That's Will, all right. I haven't seen him this upset since he started a Twitter account. Hey, Will. I'm not in the mood to talk. Okay, but we might be. Yeah, we want to hang out and maybe talk about movies for a few minutes. Yeah, right. I bet John has his phone set to record the whole thing so we can sell it to people later. Nope. See, look, Will, I'm holding up both hands. No microphone, no podcast. Just a few dudes talking about a movie no one cares about. You mean it? Come on, Will. What movie is on your mind? And why is it Escape Room 2 colon Tournament of Champions? Oh, no, no, no. I skipped that movie. You know, like everyone else. But I guess we could talk about a movie where a protagonist exists in an internet multiverse filled with branded IP where they have to win a high-stakes competition that will seize control of all space and time. Ready Player One? Gamer? No, guys. I think he means Garfield, a tale of two kitties, where the word tail is spelled like a cat's tail, so it has an I, and the two kitties part lets you know it's a sequel. Yep. Or we could just talk about Space Jam, A New Legacy. Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, where we talk about the biggest and best films coming to theaters and streaming online. From the San Francisco Bay Area, I'm John Negroni, film editor for The Young Folks and film critic for Rewards Watch and The Spool. From Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, he's a pop culture writer for Cinema Blend, probably the best basketball player I know. It's Will Ashton. What up? Will, we have two special guests this week. Yes, we do. Entering this space and helping us jam. Will, yeah. do you want to introduce them? They're, you know, they're friends of yours. Yes, they are. Yeah, they've been on the show before, but they're always welcome here as well. They're my co-hosts on A Ogre, Totes Ogre, my sister podcast, it's Matt Serafini. Hello. And Chris Sheridan. Hello. What's what's a sis, like sister podcast? What does that mean? 
Like, like it's you're related. Uh, that's a podcast. That's a sister to this podcast. It's like the podcasts have to go on like road trips together. That kind of makes sure. sense. Yeah, I, we can say that. Sure. Maybe they get into fights and they like maybe even fight over boys sometimes. They go to baby showers together. Pull yeah. each other's hair. Yeah. I don't know. We're all in this crazy podcasting world together. I think that's the point. So yeah, we're a big family. All right. Well, you can find more episodes of Cinemaholics, including our full archive on cinemaholics.com. You'll also find written reviews and other bonus content there. If you'd like to write into the show, say hey to us. You can always send us an email. Cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com is how you can reach us. Two ways to support our podcast. You could head to patreon.com slash cinemaholics and become a monthly patron. We always appreciate that. And we also sell merch on cinemaholics.com. So you can do that as well. Uh, our merch includes hoodies, t-shirts, mugs, shot glasses, whatever you like. Links to all that and more are in the show notes. So yeah, we're just going to talk about Space Jam and New Legacy here. I have a feeling we are going to talk about like spoilers at some point, but we're going to do a spoiler-free thing here. So let's just get into it. Space Jam, A New Legacy. Basketball camp is next weekend. You got amazing potential on the court, and I can help you get there. That's not what I want, Dad. You never let me do what I want to do. You never let me just do me. Hold up, wrong floor. Bet Will Smith ain't got to deal with this. Dad! Down! What in the Matrix hell? Welcome to the space. Welcome, King James. I am the king of this domain. This is the serververse. What'd you do to my son? Where's Dom? The only way you're getting your son back is if you and I play a little basketball. Pete, send this clown to the rejects. Wait. What is this? I'm a cartoon? What's up, Doc? This is a long-awaited movie. It's the sequel to the 1996 movie Space Jam, which had, of course, Michael Jordan going on an interdimensional journey to play basketball with the Looney Tunes against aliens. It's not exactly the most celebrated film of all time. Critics didn't exactly love the original Space Jam, but it kind of developed a cult following, a very nostalgic-laced sort of uh group of millennials like us who kind of grew up with the movie right yeah and it also did tremendously well at the box office to be clear it's not just like people found it later on i wanted to say i uh, had a moment of profound anxiety last night i was reading an article on uh space jam a new legacy and the uh one in the opening paragraph the author was like the first space jam debuted in 1966 and I was like, oh, it's like uh, Matt Damon, old person in Saving <laughs> yeah. Private Lion, Ryan dot gif. And <laughs> did you briefly forget how old you were? <laughs> yeah. No, I was like, wait a second. There's no way that movie came out in the 60s. Well, Chris yeah. is timeless. He's a timeless That's person. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. We also did establish we are from the 70s. So I guess it's a reasonable uh, yeah. right. misconception. Yeah. He's like, I right. saw it when I was four. <laughs> Yeah, that Space Jam movie, I, I didn't see it in theaters, but we did have the VHS. We watched it all the time. Well, you're right. It was a box office success, but I think a, a big reason why it was successful despite the like 
you know, the critics kind of revolting is because it was Michael Jordan. I mean, this was like peak Michael Jordan. He was about to win his, what, seventh NBA championship the next year. So people were all into this movie. Plus, it was based on a commercial people kind of knew about. Yeah, I mean, it was also like the return of the Looney Tunes to the big screen. And I think, I mean, they, I think they had one other feature film before this. I don't know yeah, if it they went were back in theaters. action. Oh no, you're talking about before this. Yeah, I forget. I thought there was like a Looney Tunes movie before this, like a feature-length Looney Tunes movie, but I could be mistaken. Mm. But it was like I their don't. big return. What was that? I think Who Framed Roger Rabbit is probably the closest thing to that. Is that? But that's not okay. Looney Tunes. I don't. Yeah, I don't remember any Looney Tunes thing. At least in okay. live action. Yeah, maybe I'm just thinking of a direct-to-video thing because I just knew like. At the very least, this was the first time the Looney Tunes had been on the big screen in years, probably decades. And that, combined with the genuine star presence of Michael Jordan, just seemed like a win-win for everyone involved. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this was this movie was a commercial, you know? It was like a commercial turned into a movie. That was the whole point. It wasn't supposed to be, you know, a pretentious movie. It wasn't supposed to be some kind of... It was, it was just supposed to be like a crowd-pleasing blockbuster for Michael Jordan fans and Looney Tunes fans and... I guess in a way that's kind of what Space Jam a new legacy is. So setting this film up, it's it's one that like a lot of people have been considering like spin-offs of the Space Jam thing, but with other kind of like high profile celebrities. Uh, I think at one point Tony Hawk was considered for like a Space Jam kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and Jackie Chan. Tiger Woods. Yeah, Jackie Tiger Chan Woods. and Tiger Woods. Uh, Jeff Gordon. I think they were going to do a NASCAR one. Yeah, a lot of those... Uh, elements became part of Back in Action. I know that. Right. So Looney yeah. Tunes Back in Action did come out in 2003 with uh, Brendan Fraser. And the difference, though, with like all of those movies and this one is that I know for years people have been saying like LeBron James, you know, he's been, you know, one of the best basketball players of all time for over a decade now, I think has been the consensus. And the idea of like doing like a legacy sequel for Space Jam, you know, with LeBron James, I know that's something a lot of people have been like weirdly excited about of like, oh yeah, why not? Let's just, let's just do that. And it finally became true. They finally started filming this thing a couple years ago. It's now being released by Warner's Brothers. You can watch it in theaters or on HBO Max for the next 30 days or so, depending on when you're listening to this. Wait, Warner Brothers made this? <laughs> I literally I literally made that joke to the publicist after the screening. I was like, wait, who made this? <laughs> Which studio? Was it Disney? Um that, the publicist was not amused. Uh, but yeah, no, so you can watch this on HBO Max right now, and kind of like we're alluding to, what's very different from this movie to the original is the fact that it's a ton of Warner Brothers content. It's part of the story. They're not in space or whatever anymore. There's like a internet multiverse of warner brothers content like there's it's like being in a theme park where you know like what if the theme park was like real i guess or like an internet version of a theme park where you have like this is the matrix land this is lord of the rings and great game of thrones land and this is dc land um here's the gift shop where you can buy all your toys uh it's that kind of thing it's it makes you wonder why it's called space jam but i guess it's the digital space in this one is that that was a, a note I did have as well is that there is no space <laughs> in this movie called Space Jam, a new legacy. <laughs> they do fly around it with with a like rocket ship. It does look like space, so I guess yeah, that's... it's a UFO. Yeah. Okay. I think it still works, but yeah. So the plot of this movie is that LeBron James 
has to bond with his like fake family because these aren't his real kids. I thought that was kind of weird, honestly, but you know, what are you going to do? Um, at this point, we kind of cut forward. Like we get a cold open where we were kind of introduced to LeBron James as like a kid and he learns like, I, I got to stop playing video games. I got to stop playing Game Boy, you know, because it's 1995 or whatever year. And he has to like buckle down or 1997. He has to buckle down. He's got to start playing the game. You know, and so he becomes a very serious basketball champion. And then we cut to the present day, I guess. And he has one son who, you know, he likes basketball fine, but he really just wants to like focus on building his video game. And then the two of them get caught up in this plot where there's this like Warner Brothers thing called a server verse. They go to the Warner Brothers lot and Don Cheadle plays this internet algorithm called Algorithm. Um, one of the greatest uh, film names I think that's ever been created. Um, it's like right up there with like in terms of titles, like two, it's the Too Fast, Too Furious of villain names, if you ask me. Evelyn Dever. <laughs> See, that one was just sad because it was like not even, uh, it kind of like messed with the story because like that like revealed that she was the villain if you were just like paying attention. But anyway. So they get sucked into the Warner Brothers serververse and LeBron basically, he has to save his son. It's kind of like Hook where his son is like being sort of like charmed by algae rhythm, doesn't really know what's going on, it's bad. And there's a basketball game that he has to win with Looney Tunes help. That's basically the setup. So we'll start with you, Will. What'd you think of Space Jam A New Legacy? And yeah, how do you think this one compares to the original for you? I, I know we've talked about the original a bunch, you and me, but yeah, for the listeners yeah. who don't know. Where do you stand? Uh, well, do you want me to start with the original or lead into my thoughts on A New Legacy? Whatever works for you. You got to do you. Sure. All right. Well, I mean, like you, I grew up with the original Space Jam. Um, I didn't really look at it objectively as a kid. I was just like, this is fun. Looney Tunes, basketball. It's zippy. It's zany. It's just fun. And it's short. And I would just watch it a lot, I think, for that reason. Like, I don't remember ever really, like, laughing much at it or, like, thinking it was like a great film but just being highly amused by it and and thinking it was just a a good time on my vhs so for that reason i remember watching it over and over and over again uh in a way that i don't think i really rewatched uh back in action even though i did like that film when i saw it but um i could definitely i mean the nostalgia for it made sense because it came out at that right time for a lot of people especially millennials and i think if you see it that age and in that time in your life like if you see it between ages whatever six to twelve i think it's just going to hit that spot perfectly and if you don't see in that age or in that demographic then it's just a very weird very corporate cynical movie and uh, i think that's part of the reason why there are all these like sort of gen ex-critics are always just like um actually space jam is bad and uh you should feel bad for you know liking it and i always just found those i mean it makes sense because like we said before it it's not a good film but i always found this weird desire to underplay the nostalgia for space jam to be kind of weird as well because just like you know i mean i I don't think people should be blissfully nostalgic for the film to a point where they don't recognize its faults or how empty empty and cynical it is but I do think there is an appeal to that film. There is something that's very constantly engaging and silly and also kind of sweet about it, but I will never defend it as a good film and rewatching it before this one. Uh, the faults, it's very easy to see how patchy and dumb it is and how it's just very nonsensical and, and clearly just like they threw it together through like 
Ivan Reitman's influence as producer and and just whatever they could really do with the animation to to kind of uh, um, over the gloss over I guess uh, Michael Jordan's uh, limitations as an actor. Even though I don't think he's as bad as people say he is, but that's a conversation I guess we can have later. But I do, uh, with this but... movie, he, I think he's fine in I like the do. opening. <laughs> I think in the live action family stuff, he's fine. I think when he's in the CG green screen world, he's bad. Yeah. Um, that would be my. Around. You think he's better in the animation world? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's I think, an interesting. I think take. he's more. I don't think his acting is better, but I think he's more entertaining as an actor because you might tell he's yeah. Yeah. bewildered. <laughs> but I think that also kind of works better for that film for reasons I'll discuss later regarding LeBron James' performance in this film. But. Uh, when it comes to New Legacy, I didn't really have much. Uh, I, I I think it's the type of film that if it had come out when I was fourteen, I would have been like, oh hell yeah, like finally, let's watch this. But now at like twenty eight, I'm like, uh, okay, I guess we can do this now. Uh, you know, like it's weird that there's a family film that that's made for like six year olds and me. Like it just feels like weird that there's like a a family film that's directed to very different audiences. And I feel like you can kind of see that in the end product because I think. It's a film that's both better and worse than I anticipated in that um, I think there's elements here that are a little bit more cohesive. I think the inherent like father-son story that's supposed to be at the root of the original Space Jam is a little bit more fleshed out here. I think the dynamic between Dom and LeBron James in this film, there is some emotional earnestness to it. And I think that's primarily Ryan Coogler's influence as a producer. It just feels like what he's like a similar energy that he's bringing to something like Creed is here as well. And I think those moments stand out to me more in comparison to the original film. But at the same time, I feel like this movie, it's so apparently craven and what it's trying to do. It doesn't really have as much visual flair as the original film. Malcolm D. Lee is a director who can be both great and terrible. And I feel like all of his like, directorial flourishes in this film it's like the ultimate michael malcolm d lee movie because it just has moments that are like really weird and inspired and other moments that are just like so embarrassingly low it's just like why am i even watching this it feels like my soul is escaping the bot my body and then like something kind of goofy and fun will come back on it and my soul returns to my my earthly vessel and it's just like that's that was my experience watching this film it's just that like for every moment of kind of inspired zaniness that I would hope for from a Space Jam sequel, there are like one or two other sequences that are just enter- entirely just devoid of wit or inspiration or clearly just WB trying to force their brand into this film, which again doesn't make it enter- entirely different than the original film, but it does, you know, it doesn't excuse it for what it's trying to do, which is basically promote and sell HBO Max and their wide archive of. A century of film so it's i don't know i i i'll discuss probably later on i think it's too weird of a film for me to dislike in full but it's also a film that it is what it is like i don't i don't think it's awful i don't think it's as bad as some critics are saying it is but at the same time i don't think it's necessarily good either i'm not going to give it a pass but i think it's I both it's too weird fine. and not weird enough exactly that's that's the best way to put it i'll say i think um you know i, I want to make sure everybody gets their their chance right but I, I do want to point out, I had a moment in this movie where I was thinking to myself, I kind of like that Warner Brothers is kind of getting out there and being like, look at all the stuff we have, because I think Disney does that all of the time, and they don't get nearly the same pushback from people. So Absolutely. to me, it was sort of like, get like I liked the idea, like there is like real competition at Disney. They have an amazing yeah. catalog. And so I kind of like the idea of like, 
I don't know, showing that to people. I mean, to be fair, I don't think the sins of this movie are much worse than something like Ralph Breaks the Internet, which does a lot of the same things and yeah. equally kind of annoying for similar reasons. But people give that movie a pass for whatever reason. Yeah. Well, okay. So we, we're getting ahead of ourselves, of course. I did. I did. There was one thing you said, Will, I wanted to address too. Of like one thing that bugs me when like Gen X people and baby boomers kind of get on our case, our millennial case about liking space jam. It's like, we know it's bad. Like they, they always like layer it in with like, no, you're, you're mistaken about space exactly, jam. It's yeah. actually a bad movie. And we're like, we, we, we know, <laughs> like, right. but we don't care. Like It's just, yeah. it's, you know, what we're here for. So, and it, and like, Gen X and Baby Boomers have a ton of bad movies that they love and champion, oh, yeah. and we don't get on their case for that. But for some reason, Space I mean, Jam's do, the one where they always... But, oh, okay. Well, fair enough. Um, but yeah, in a, in a private setting, you know, where I can roast them to their faces. Um, okay, Chris, Chris Sheridan, what did you think of Space Jam and New Legacy? And, and anything you wanted to add to the whole OG Space Jam conversation we're having? Um, I actually haven't revisited the original Space Jam since my childhood i remember i remember enjoying it uh, i don't really have any strong feelings on the original either way um a new legacy i did not like um much at all um i think you know some of the some of the one thing that has that i've been met with a lot is like i didn't like space jam a new legacy and people are like well you're not supposed to it's for kids I was like, okay, why does this movie for kids have Pennywise, um, the Clockwork Orange guys, and like yeah, you know, so on and so drugs. forth, Game of Thrones? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that that thing that was was uh, the the amount of cameos and and IP inclusion in A New Legacy was very anachronistic, especially since they spend like a whole few minutes spoofing the Matrix. Well, I thought that was very strange. And, you know, we I talked about like LeBron, LeBron James being better in the cartoon version. I think it's mostly just because of the animation in the actual cartoon stuff was funny. Um, I was actually kind of engaged during the cart during the cartoon in, in Toon World stuff, like when um, LeBron falls out of the sky into the earth on the planet. The the hole he makes in the ground is the Nike logo. I thought that was kind of funny. That was a great moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Got a big laugh in the theater. But you know, there's a there's a lot of stuff that just didn't really work for me. Like Don Cheadle as the villain, his line readings were just awful. <laughs> like during the during the movie, I'm like, wow, this guy was in Hotel Rwanda. Um, I think I'll, I'll defend Cheadle a little bit by saying he had easily the worst dialogue in this movie. Like that, you that could, too, yeah. The, you could give those lines to any professional actor, and they'll sound kind of wooden and hammy. I don't think he's necessarily good in this. But I'll defend yeah. him further and say I do think he's good at this, and he's probably the best character in the movie. <laughs> In my opinion, uh, I would not go that far. I, I I'll defend I him in that. I'll like, hop in and say I think Don Cheadle's a nice guy and that he deserved his Emmy nomination for Falcon and <laughs> Winter Soldier. Yes, Wait, um, he wasn't in Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, he was. Oh, that's. What, he was. Wait, I don't. Are we doing a bit? Was I think he? that's why. No, no, he got nominated <laughs> for an Emmy for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, he did. Because he was. I remember yeah, him being a lot of people that. are dunking. They, they, he's in the first episode, and he got a nomination for like guest star performance in it. And, and even he was like, because uh, yeah, he's in like thanks, two I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. Oh yeah, it's uh, the Hollywood Reporter. Don Cheadle reacts for, to Emmy nomination for a ninety-eight second cameo. <laughs> like I watched Falcon and Winter Soldier, I do not even remember this. Like that is no, me neither. I watched that episode I, twice and I didn't remember it. Is it in the first episode? It is, yeah. I like to think Jeez. that during the awards clip ceremony, they'll just show that clip twice. 
<laughs> there you go. Oh man. But yeah, sorry, Chris, for interrupting yeah, your sorry. <laughs> No, no, that's that's great. That's fine. Um, it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a strange movie, but not in the ways that I think would have made it work better. And not even withstanding the fact that like basketball kind of barely even factors into the movie. It, it like it does, but there's like so much visual noise that you don't even really get to see um, LeBron be a basketball star. If that makes sense, you do in the opening montage. You do, yeah, yeah, true. I also want to point out my roommate has such a toxic hatred for LeBron James. He refuses to watch this movie or even hear about it. See, I one thing I appreciate in this movie is that if you do have a lot of toxic hate for LeBron, they do a lot of jokes at his expense, and he like true. shuts himself in on the joke. You know, like even Cheadle gets in a whole dig at him, being like, "Oh, your dad left. What a surprise! Like he left Cleveland. He left. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there, yeah, there was no, some he, stuff like that. I was like, that's fun. It's like, look out, Lakers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that was. I thought that was actually really funny. Um, also, uh, I people keep talking about there's a, a cameo of the nuns from the Devils in this, and I didn't. I didn't spot that. Oh, she's very apparent. You see her at least twice. I could never Maybe take I my just don't eyes know enough off of about her. the Devils. Oh, oh. you know what? It's such I a good movie. I think I saw a nun in the audience, yeah. but I didn't tie yeah. it to the devils. The Nuns is a great movie, by the way. Everyone should watch The Nuns, uh, and it baffles me to no end. That's the thing I find, I find the most fascinating about this film, is that they they had a very uh, uh, obvious cameo from a lady, like a circuits or whatever, Party City model, dressed as the nun from Ken Russell's 70s masterpiece, The Devils, which was banned in like most theaters upon release. And now it's in this major family kids movie in wide release on its 50th anniversary. It just blows my mind. That's the thing I can't really wrap my head around about this film, among other things. I think I think that deserves a round of applause. Yeah, same here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There were some people who were like doing the production design, the casting, and the yeah, the basic story. There's a lot of people in the screenplay and the story for this movie, by the way. But um, yeah, we don't have to get into that. Didn't uh, Terrence Dance get like three credits for the screenplay? He, I don't know if he got three credits. I know he did. He has a credit for screenplay that's archived, and he has a credit for doing the story. So I thought he either way. like I thought it was like whatever like whoever else was the credit screenwriters, and it was like blank. Uh, Whatever the um, what's this the symbol for and um, ampersand 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 and ampersand Terrence Nance and then the word and Terrence Nance and then said like story by Terrence Nance and whomever else and I was just like I thought I got like three credits for this but I could be mistaken uh, I don't know what that would even mean but uh, yeah I'd, whatever uh, Terrence Nance is all over this movie that I think that's the main point yeah um, and I have more to say about that later all right all right. One other note um, that I, I might have more later, but like other, another thing is that like the there's there's no room to breathe in this movie. Like the you get so many um, <clears throat> Looney Tunes characters that have been coming back essentially for the first time in a long time. If you haven't watched the uh, uh, but, uh, shout out to the HBO Max Looney Tunes revival, which is hilarious. It's excellent. It's so good. Um, but apart from that, we haven't seen Looney Tunes in a long time, and so like you get people like characters like marvin the martian who gets like barely two minutes of screen time or you know um daffy duck is barely in it uh there's like so many of these characters that you know and love especially in a sequel to space jam like they're barely in it which i thought was really disappointing um i i I think there's too there's too many movies in this movie fighting for for 
space. Like, I think that you could easily excise all the LeBron stuff with his son and all that stuff and have, like, a movie about LeBron James and his son and, and learning about being yourself and then an, another movie about Looney Tunes playing basketball, and those two movies would probably work fine with, with more going on in each one instead of all of them clamoring for attention in the same movie. I, I will admit... I do agree with you about Daffy Duck because he's like the coach this time and <laughs> they kind of dropped the ball with some of his writing there. He, he, yeah. he, he did get a lot of funny lines. So I was like, oh man, Daffy Duck is the coach. That's that's hilarious. Let's do that. There's like one thing where he's like a uh, superhero staging supervillain plots and I thought that was like, okay, yeah, that's Daffy Duck right there. But other, otherwise, I was, I was disappointed on the Daffy Duck front. But so, so far... Will Will's kind of like it seems very mixed with this movie. Chris seems like you really just didn't care for it. Matt, I mean, I'm gonna tell you, I I'm the one out here. I I, I enjoyed this movie kind of unironically and ironically at the same time. Um, and I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping for a hero. You know, I'm hoping you can come into this space and jam with me while those other two guys just sort of keep you know stew in their disappointments. But which, which side do you pick? Are you on the Goon Squad or the Toon Squad? Well, John, I'm pleased to say I'm closer to you, bud. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I, I had a I had a fun time for the most part. I mean, obviously, there's the cynic in me that's like, this is a corporate commercial. But like, if I can just tell him to be quiet in my head, I was like, hey, it's the Looney Tunes. I mean, above all else, we got some good new 2D animation from a major studio on the big screen. And for me, that's enough. Um, the animation yeah. this looks fantastic. I, I do want to mention. Uh, I do want to mention argue with you on that. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I do want to mention would, that. What? Hmm. Oh, sorry. I was just was gonna say it's kind of embarrassing, but I felt like I, I think it got a little emotional when I saw two D animation from like an original. That's not embarrassing. 2D That's not embarrassing at all. On Looney Tunes on the big screen. Right. Again, it was just like. I just didn't think I'd see this again on the big screen, like original 2D animation. It's not original, I guess, but like original enough for it's just like, oh, I didn't know this could happen. But then, yeah. Yeah, no, I, gen- I genuinely enjoyed the 2D animation. Then, like the f- first half of the yeah. movie I thought was really fun. But then Chungus appeared and then I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> I actually thought Chungus was hilarious. Um, I that that actually kind of got an eye roll from me, but I was just like, whatever. That's like the that's the trying to appeal to Twitter. I get what they're trying to do. He's a big chungus. He's a big chunky boy. Um, but sorry, Matt, you were talking. Yeah, I was glad to see two D animation on the big screen with the Looney Tunes. I guess I should also talk about my relationship to the original Space Jam. Um, which is that I didn't really, I don't think, see it until I was like in maybe second or third grade. Um. And I, so something about me as a kid, I was always very happy to have real people and cartoons interacting. I loved Roger Rabbit. um, So I was really into the idea of Space Jam. And I remember like having seen it at a friend's party or something and being like, yeah, that's awesome. It's the Looney Tunes and a real guy. I don't really know who Michael Jordan was because I don't really watch sports. Um, Very famous basketball player. But but I like the idea. Uh, (laughs) Right. Still. (laughs) I mean, I knew I I knew who Michael Jordan was like by name, but to be frank, like in terms of how little I like paid attention or knew about both popular music and about sports, I used to get Michael Jordan and Michael Jackson's names mixed up. Um, so oh, wow. there's that. But um, you're like, I don't, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, I was a big fan of Thriller, but uh, his time with the Chicago Bulls <laughs> was uh, undeniable. <laughs> 
I'm surprised. I, I'm surprised he's being canceled by this HBO documentary. Yeah. But you know, if he did that, that's <laughs> man. Where'd they get bad. into in the Last Dance? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, bottom line, I was more of a back in action kid. Um, so that's that's why I mentioned that. Uh, but yeah, the idea of a new Space Jam movie is great, and I'll, obviously, like I said, I like cartoons and real people interacting. So. I was like a little bit disheartened when I saw the trailer for this had LeBron becoming a cartoon uh, whenever he meets the Looney Tunes, but I think that the animation was good enough that it ended up selling me on it, and I ended up thinking that was actually a better choice, um, having LeBron be a cartoon. Uh, it was a lot more fun, and plus, I mean, we still got... like. During the Mad Max sequence, you get a little bit of cartoons and real people interacting. So, you know, uh, but but yeah, ultimately, though, I was I was a fan of this movie. I thought it was like light, fun, um, good animation made up for I, I would say the good animation in this movie does like 80 percent of the legwork in terms of how much I liked it. I think that's a fair assumption uh, because obviously the script and plot. There's not much there, but I think I, I am confident in saying I think this movie is objectively better than the original because it's like actually a movie. Um, re, we rewatched the first one um, on Thursday night, my roommate and I, and it's I, I, I've only rewatched that as an adult like twice. And both times I've been like, this movie is just like objectively really poorly put together. It's poorly edited. It's poorly written. But as Will has said, it accomplishes what it sets out to do, and it's really good for, like, you know, 12-year-old boys and girls, and that's great. And, and I do, like, like Space Jam for what it is, but I think it's, like, objectively a bad movie, whereas this one I feel like is objectively at least okay. But I don't know. I, I know that I'm dis disagreeing with Will and Chris on this, but... It's okay, Matt. I, I'm here to support you because I'm probably the most positive on this movie, and... I went into yeah. it really dreading this experience because most of the screenings were earlier in the week. I was at one of the midweek screenings. And so by the time I was watching this movie, I was seeing just like a dog piling taking place. Like the embargo had been up for a few hours and people were just like, forget this movie. I wish this movie didn't exist. And it's not like I had expectations because I, I agree with you. I guess all of you, it's like, it's the original, the original speech jam was not like a, a good movie necessarily it was just kind of like a staple of our childhoods it was like it's just such a unique idea that really stuck out in the 90s of taking these two very different worlds and putting them together like that's the kind of stuff that i would really like growing up i was like okay basketball is like a part of like or just sports in general it's a part of like my life that is like its own thing of like real events like a real basketball player kind of merging though with like this fantastical like cartoon world that was just cool like that was just like as a kid it was cool to like experience you know that kind of mashup of things and i think they had a difficult task with this movie because they had to like do that in a world where people expect everything to be interconnected they expect move like characters from other movies to show up in other movies like all the time right totally oh yeah and no, i think that just irrespective of the actual quality the, the original space jam which is something that our entire generation just got kind of sucked up into the zeitgeist because, you know, at that time, that's the other thing is like <clears throat> Michael Jordan was like the guy, you know, the, the, the sports celebrity mm -hmm. of that 
time, I think. And, and I, I think LeBron James is, I don't see as much of, of his stardom being factored into kids, uh, you know, and their discourse. You know what I mean? Like, but yeah, I feel like Michael Jordan was the kind of guy where like, even if you didn't know what basketball was, you still might own a Chicago Bulls uh, cap. Mm-hmm. You might still think that he's like an amazing concert performer, you know, on the side, <laughs> like Matt Serkin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I should also note I was born in '95, so you know, a little bit younger. Didn't Michael Jordan? So what, were, what year did he retire? He, well, he came back though, like in the early 2000s. So he was he was yeah, still he was playing with, ball. Uh, yeah, he was playing with the Wizards until yeah. like the 2000s. 2003 or something. So okay. it's okay, Matt. I missed the height of his fame, though, I would like, say. Like, here's how big Michael Jordan was. Like, when I was in third grade, this was, like, I think um, before he, like, was, like, left the Bulls or, like, the Bulls didn't renew his contract or whatever happened there. Um, I was in third grade, and, like, our teacher, like, announced it like it was 9-11, basically. I was like, Michael Jordan has retired from basketball. And, like, the entire class, we had to, like, cancel like an entire, like, math <laughs> section of the day to, like, cope with this. Like, it, it was a big deal. I mean, the press release when he came back is like the most famous press release of all time, right? When he just said like "I'm back," that's it. That was just this whole like pan. Oh man! Like yeah, it was just like it was insanity. That's why it's called Twenty Three and Me. You know, they're just respecting. Anyway, okay, that's enough Michael Jordan talk. Um, but all that to say, I think at this point, LeBron. I like that this movie, by the way, like kind of makes the joke of like, it's arguable that LeBron's the greatest of all time. There's this kind of thing of like trying to compare him one-to-one with Michael Jordan. And I don't think that works. Like, I just don't think that LeBron has that same sort of like greatest of all time. Everybody can agree on this kind of quality that Michael Jordan has. Cause I think he's a player in a different era. And like, I think what's like, I, I look at Michael Jordan as kind of like the George Washington of the NBA, just because, like, the NBA wasn't nearly as big as it is now without him. Like, it existed before him, right? Sure. It's like kind yeah. of comparing George Washington to, I don't know, like, James Madison or something. That's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's like another sort of, like, founding father kind of person who came along a little later. I guess not James Madison. My, I need to rewatch well, it's Hamilton. Like, I say Lincoln. It's maybe. like comparing, like, Babe Ruth to, like, A-Rod. Sure. Yeah. It's like they has base. a ton of name recognition. Yeah. Like people know who he, like people know him, but yeah. it's like it's just different. It's it's there's not this sort of like mythic quality to him, if that yeah. makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. So the all of that said, I think it does still make sense to like update the Space Jam thing with LeBron. Like, sure. I think where the movie I the criticism I can agree with the most, the thing that bugged me the most about this, and I think it's something that Will and Chris touched on for sure is that the Looney Tunes too often are kind of put to the side a bit and in favor of all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. That's why my favorite thing about this movie is when we spend a lot of time with the Looney Tunes themselves, like when we're going to like the different planets where all of a sudden it becomes Mad Max. That had me like giddy like a child, like when we saw all of those like worlds, including these like the DC thing, like, oh, I'm sorry, but like mm-hmm. watching, uh, what, what, who was it again? Was it um, Sylvester? Uh, like spraying the like paint on his mouth. Oh, I think it's I think it's Wiley. Oh, Coyote. you're right, you're right. Yeah, because Roadrunner uh, he, he holds was, up the sign mm-hmm. that says "Witness me." <laughs> like stuff like that just had me so happy that I was like sitting there and I was seeing this on the big screen and I was like, "This is just silly. It's stupid. It's a commercial, but it's yeah. and, like commercials can be entertaining too." <laughs> did you guys all see it in theaters? Yeah, I did. I did. I did. Okay, I saw it on HBO Max, so that could have affected my experience. 
maybe I, I mean i was at a press screening and like people were not laughing i was the only person laughing so take that for what it you like i was like cackling a lot and i think the reason i probably give this movie so much credit is because it made me laugh so much it's stupid humor but it they got me like some of the cleverness some of the actual like looney tune shenanigans that they do the way that they score points and like that's what i came to see and we do get a lot of it yes and so i think that's why yes. i'm kind of like oh yeah that was fun instead of kind of like i do i know chris you brought this up of like people saying i was like well of course you didn't like it it's for kids like clearly they made this for adults to enjoy it too like that they can't rest on that My- excuse right yeah my biggest complaint is that's actually more too much for adults and not enough for kids like i think the, the references are mostly going to elude younger audiences to the point where i don't know if they're going to get the enjoyment like there's obviously like adult stuff in the original space jam but it's aimed as we've been mentioning for like you know uh six to ten year olds and like this one like i feel it's mostly made for someone like me which is just weird like it should be like if you're gonna make a space jam for a new generation make it for like the eight and 10 year olds you know like make it for them like include a bunch of their stuff like it's just weird to like they're they're trying to like win me over it just that i find to be very odd i don't know if i fully agree i think parts of the movie are like that but not the whole thing yeah i think so i mean i think i I agree with what will said is like there's almost too much stuff for adults in this like a a 10 year old isn't probably going to know what mad max is I think a movie that did a really good job of incorporating both adult and child references was like the Lego Batman movie. I, think, yeah. I, I like this better appeal. than Lego Batman. Really? Okay. Lego Batman just wasn't my my stunts of humor. I guess like I didn't I didn't click with that movie as much as other people. Can I also just I just want to point out that the original Space Jam references Pulp Fiction. I sure. It does and Men in Black. But that's yeah. Well, no, no, that, that that is Pulp Fiction. People just think it's Men in Black. Oh, well, th- okay, sure. <laughs> Yeah, it, it plays the song yeah. from Pulp Fiction. But that's like the exception as opposed to the rule, Matt, I think. Yeah. Mm. See, I'm remembering parts of New Legacy, though, where we literally have like, oh, I'm a Hufflepuff and like, you know, Bugs Bunny's like nerd alert. And I'm like, OK, that's for kids. Like, that's, I thought that that yes. was actually funny. I don't like I don't know. I'm just I, I think that there was a better balance. It wasn't a perfect balance, but I'm, I personally thought there was a better balance than you guys are making it sound. I mean, like, there's obviously, like, stuff in the original Space Jam where it's just, like, they're referencing, like, oh, like, the producer told us to come here or, like, you know, like, we're appealing to the executives and stuff like that. And obviously, like, kids aren't going to be, like, you know, like, thinking about that stuff. And there's a lot of that in the original Space Jam. So there is adult uh, tinging stuff. But I think for the most part, the original Space Jam has the insane interest of young children at heart as opposed to this film which it just feels like it's trying to like win over jaded millennials who are like, I don't know about new space jam. Mm. It's just like, see, Mad I, just, Max I mean, there's literally, there's literally a whole gag in here where like, there's like a, there's slapstick, like a basketball hitting hit one of his son's face. Like they, they put stuff in this movie that is like four quadrant. I, I can't, I can't yes. get on the train. I don't, I don't think we're giving kids enough credit. Will and Chris. Okay. Like, I, as a kid, there I would see movies that would reference things that I didn't understand all the time. And you know what I would do when I didn't understand a reference? Pretend you did. I would ignore it and listen to the next joke. Okay. Oh. Like, I, it's, it's, there, there are things that went over my head until I watched Space Jam again this past Thursday. And like, it, it, that's just, it doesn't hurt the movie. And, and I think that in this, I think this one's kind of the same as the original. Like there's, there's jokes that'll go over kids' heads, but it'll just do that. And then they'll catch the one that's thrown to them. Like is Notorious uh, yeah. P.I.G. Is that supposed to be 
for adults? <laughs> because if so, that's for you, John. <laughs> that's just for me. <laughs> yeah, I actually that think one was just for you. that it's it's the worst part of the movie. But here's the thing: Easily. that could have been the yes. best part of the movie. They messed it up completely. How so? The rap itself is not good, which I get is probably the yeah. point. But like, if you actually did write a really good rap and you could have gotten the Porky voice to be just better for it like better match to it or you just uh, dub sure. like a real rapper or something that nah. could have been the best part of the movie i'm saying it right here but instead they kind of did a safe sanitized version of it and i was like eh. no the other thing in, in regards to the references that i was thinking is that a lot of the maybe just because i'm 31 um a lot of the the more uh child references like the joke is the reference like it's like oh haha it's the Harry Potter castle and the music and then they're just done with that. Well yeah, but that's fair. The I'll Hufflepuff joke was funny, um, but okay, there are yeah. other elements where it's just like that is like oh hey look Game of Thrones tee and then it's just mm-hmm. on to the next thing. Like that was yeah. As someone who doesn't watch Game of Thrones, I was like all right, so he's riding the dragon. That's all they're doing. Okay, okay. Cool, whatever. I got disagree I did, with you there. <laughs> I did think Bodhorn that was funny Leghorn, though. Yeah, on as dragon, Khaleesi. As, I actually I. Against my best interests. Well, you love I, you love Foghorn. Yes, Lakehorn. I should mention Foghorn Leghorn. I love Foghorn Leghorn. What top five Looney Tunes? And I was just like, I say, I say don't I don't do that. Uh, no, I'll, I'll <laughs> say, I'll say. <laughs> First thing I messaged Will after I saw the movie was how bloodthirsty Foghorn Leghorn is in this movie. How yes. quick he is to let people die oh, yeah. <laughs> for yes, a basketball sure. game. And that's that. They understood the character, at least that character. Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah. Can I just say real fast, I thought it was a really nice touch, though, to, like, have Bugs Bunny be, like, the last Looney Tune, you know? Like, I, th- I thought that was kind of a touching part of the movie, like, the, the second act of him being the only one left and being true to that world, and then this whole adventure of them finding the other ones and experiencing... I know I kind of mentioned that already. That was my favorite part of this movie, probably, like, in terms of plotting and structure. I was like, man, this is fun. Like, LeBron hanging out with Bugs and going all these different places, yes. Bugs kind of reconnecting with everybody, and that felt very Looney Tunes to me. That was good. I just wish there would have been more context to why the other tunes left. Yeah, but I agree. The whole thing with Bugs Bunny going crazy, totally alone in Tune Tune World. That was, I agree. That was pretty. That's a solid idea for a Looney Tunes movie, especially in you know twenty twenty twenty. Yeah, I guess they allude to it more meta. Like they're kind of like, oh, yeah, the idea is that these other tunes have sold out to like other franchises because they don't have faith in the like original Looney Tunes brand, but that is the central flaw of this movie is that this movie does that too. <laughs> so uh, they kind of um, kind of cut themselves short by not committing to that. Although I guess like they have like the expected like, oh, you just got to be loony and then everything's going to work out. So they do, I guess they do have that angle of the movie, but that's my long-winded say- way of saying I like this movie. My, my ultimate thought on this movie, I think, is that it feels like three different focus groups were writing their own movie and they just kind of sh- ran it all together. Oh, yeah. yeah, Will, you were going to mention that because it's a lot of screenwriters and Terrence Nance yes. of it all. And yeah, what, what was your point for that? Yeah, so the main thing when they announced they're going to do Space Jam 2, it was like, okay, whatever, like 20 years late, but fine. We're going to do another Space this Jam. This might as well and then, happen. And then, uh, you know, it's like Ryan Coogler's going to produce it. It's like, oh, okay, that's unexpected. It's like LeBron James is going to be starring in it. It's like, okay, well, you know, he was pretty good in Trainwreck. That's, you know, it's promising. Um, and it's like Terrence Nance is going to write and direct it. And to me, that was like, okay, I'm sold. Like, if you're going to have Terrence Nance be involved, like that, that sounds like 
if you're just gonna do Space Jam, have someone like Terrence Dance, who is like an original filmmaker. You know, he does Random Act of Flyness on HBO. He has a really good indie called An Oversimplification of Her Beauty. And I was like, okay, what's this guy gonna do with a big budget movie like this? And I think you can kind of see the seeds of what he was trying to do, which is like the meta narrative, but I think it was like more ironic and more self aware. And I think it was this type of story, but it was like more keyed into what you were saying before, John, where it's just like LeBron is trying to be in Michael Jordan's shadow, but he's like also like self aware that he is not Michael Jordan. And like the Algae Rhythm character is like self aware, like, yes, this movie is trying to push this like agenda, this like, you know, like this need to do another Space Jam to repeat the formula, basically. And I think you can kind of see, like, from the outline of this movie, what I believe Terrence Nance was going to do with it, which is, like, something that's, like, skewing the the formula of, like, a blockbuster like this, something that's obviously very corporately driven and adding his, like, own flourishes and unique ideas to it. And I feel like Warner Bros., I have no idea what happened behind the scenes, but I feel like they probably caught wise for, like, no, like, we just want to do, like, a straightforward Space Jam movie. Like, we don't want to do any, like, meta text narrative to this. And it's like, oh, okay, well, if that's what you want to do, then I'm out. And then they brought in Malcolm D. Lee, who, you know, he's a working man filmmaker. He, he'll do the job. But I just feel like his vision for the project is not really what interested me in this. And if they're going to do Space Jam two decades later, like, having a narrative that is, like, multi-texted and a little bit more self-aware and and adding to like the themes of the original film as we were suggesting like with the father-son angle and i feel like the movie gets like halfway with that stuff and then like the obviously shoehorned in warner brothers stuff just overtakes it for the most part and i find that's what's frustrating is like what chris is saying like it feels like five different chefs are in the kitchen trying to dictate this movie and it just feels so busy and overworked and like trying to do so many things that like you know obviously the original space jam is a busy film and it's trying to do a lot at once it's like kind of sewn together haphazardly but i think it is a little bit more cohesive and it goes down easier because it is like 86 minutes as opposed to this which is like two hours long and it takes 40 minutes to an hour for the looney tunes to come into this looney tunes movie and it just feels like exhausting after a point that's trying to do all these things at once it just doesn't really have a cohesive center to it it's 20 minutes, but sure. What's that? Uh, it, it's 20 minutes before the Looney Tunes show up, but I was about but to sure. say, yeah, I, I don't think it was 40. Yeah, it's, it's not an feels hour. feels like longer. <laughs> it I, felt I'll long. give you that. You mentioned that the original Space Jam was also very busy, but I think that movie's pace felt more congruent to the chaotic nature of Looney Tunes as a property, um, whereas this was just too much of everything else. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I, I'm glad you mentioned Malcolm D. Lee again, because... I think that they took a big risk here with him, but at the same time, I guess it kind of makes sense. Like he has more misses than hits. You know, his last movie was Night School. The movie was terrible. Um, I know uh, Girls Trip yeah. was good fun, and I know you know the best yeah, man right. movies. You know, it, yeah, I like th- those. They're solid. That, that's the thing. Undercover He's also brother, the guy who made, I like. Yeah, I, I would say the rest of his movies are like kind of average to like okay, um, with I guess the exception of like Scary Movie Five because he did do that. But I think they did take kind of a risk, like bringing in kind of like you were saying, we're just like a director who can just kind of get it done. Whereas like I see Terrence Nance's like original kind of idea for this. There's still like maybe little wrinkles, like little little hints and echoes of his screenplay where it does get into that territory and it is pretty meta. And I wish the movie was like full tilt into that sort of thing. But I think you're right that I think the studio kind of came in and just added layer upon layer of so much other stuff on top of his movie. That's that's me speculating that that's why it, it suddenly just feels like this big old mess of 
scattered IP trying to sell HBO Max without saying you know the words HBO Max at any point in this movie. But it's kind of like I was saying before. I think that it, I do kind of like the idea of people treating Warner Brothers as uh, you know like they would Disney. And I don't like that Disney is like owning everything. And it's it's kind of like you know the the corporate you know the corporate monster you know versus the one you know i think both of them are definitely like they have too much stuff i'm always more for like independent you know ip people just making new things and and all of that stuff but at least if we're gonna have disney i like that there is some kind of like other you know collection or universe of characters that have their own thing too that has its own charm it has its own you know sort of like fun energy to it so it's not the best movie for that kind of thing but i guess i just i i keep seeing this thing of like that this movie is soulless and that this movie just is like nothing but a cash grab it's like okay what movie isn't you know like of course it is like i guess i just want to treat this movie a little bit would give this movie a little bit more of a a curve i guess for what we do for disney and, and all of that stuff because i i certainly had fun with this movie it's pretty enjoyable but i guess people just really want to hate it for their own reasons valid or no and and for the record i think that will and chris's reasons are pretty valid um i was gonna say i feel attacked like <laughs> <laughs> no 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 John's implying that I went in with the intention to hate this no, movie. No, no. I mean, I I went in with not the intention, but I had the expectation. And I, there's not a lot of like criticisms you guys made that I disagree with. I think the only ones I have, I've I've said right away if I've disagreed with. But you said a bunch of stuff, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like that's definitely an yeah, issue. Yeah, I I'm with you, John. Like I like I liked the movie in spite of a lot of those very valid criticisms. I had fun with it, and that was enough for me. I honestly to be very frank i'm really just happy to be back at the movie theater again like and i'm sure that that effect will wear off after a few months but like these first few months of the summer getting to see movies again i'm pretty like i don't think there's one that i haven't like at least a little bit enjoyed part of it just because being back in the theater all right well i guess we can give our final grades for this thing i think we've kind of said what we need to say um but so, yeah go ahead matt why don't we start with you what's your what's your grade for space Ooh. jam and new legacy oh man it's always fun being first it's like a shot in the dark i don't know where everybody else is gonna be um i'm gonna say b b minus b minus i think it's either a b or a b minus okay i'll be nice i'll say b <laughs> all right well ashton um well at the end of the day this is the only 21 fil- 2021 film or any film maybe ever that will have The Mask, Austin Powers, Superman, A Nun from the Devils, and Foghorn Leghorn in one picture, sometimes in the same frame. And you kind of have to, you know, for all the craven uh, corporate desires of the film, you kind of have to admire that, like, yeah, this is like a film that is just inherently kind of goofy by design. Like, it's just like there is going to be no other film with all these characters in it like all these weird ideas and stuff like that. And uh, I, in some respects, I kind of admire the film for that, that is able to be appropriately a little loony in that respect. However, I also feel like the movie itself is so identity-less and without any clear driven desire to do one specific thing and just appeal to as broad of an audience as possible that unlike the original Space Jam, which, you know, broad and uh corporate as it was at least it it had 
its interest at heart and kind of kept things focused and goofy and and keyed in on the Looney Tunes being goofy with Michael Jordan and this film it just it's a little bit more scattershot it's a little more all over the place and uh, it just doesn't have the same soundtrack either which is very unfortunate soundtrack does not even compare but uh, at the same time you know I didn't really hate it the way some people do I think I kind of knew that's what it was going to be going in and I was able to admire the second half a little bit more because for the reasons we mentioned like I did think the scenes with them kind of hopping into other movies is fun just that's the type of thing I like and I like the basketball antics with the Looney Tunes because that reminds me of the original and it's fun and silly and stuff like that so not the worst time I've, I've certainly seen worse this summer I would say but I, I can agree with a lot of the criticisms and I, I ultimately think similar to the first film it's not very good so I'll give it uh, a high C just like our favorite beverage of choice in 1996 yes there you go <laughs> hell yeah yeah I'll, I'll go next I'll, I'll, I'm a B like Matt and I, I've already kind of said my piece I think that I, I cut this movie so much slack. I mean, the things that this movie does, it, it undercuts Lola Bunny quite a bit I, to the point where it's like, they have Zendaya voicing her. It's like, they do nothing with that character, except she's just sort of like also there. Um, although they do she's like kind of the Themyscira montage. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they have all this big setup where they manage to recruit her from like Wonder Woman and stuff. And it's like, man, you know, this is going to be an important character moving forward. <laughs> Yeah, I did nothing. <laughs> I did appreciate that, like the directors and stuff are just like Lola Bunny is not going to be sexy in this one. Do not come in with that stuff. <laughs> it's like, all right, fine. What are you going to do with Lola Bunny? Well, you know, she's a team player. Um, yeah, cares for bugs. <laughs> no personality. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I also thought it was awkward because like they go from they were already in DC land, but then they go to Wonder Woman. It's like Wonder Woman is DC. Which Why did they different. have to? Yeah, it looks more like a comic. Yeah, and uh, wasn't Rosario Dawson the voice of uh, yeah. Wonder Woman in this? It wasn't Gal Gadot. Was. Yeah. Well, that's fine. Like, yeah, I don't. I didn't compl- I wasn't. I wasn't. That was actually kind no, of a I welcome mean, change, if you ask me. Yeah, I would actually kind of agree. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I don't know. I just thought it was like a weird choice, but whatever. It did I like? I'm saying I cut the movie so much slack because it. You know, we kind of mentioned that the original Space Jam kind of did what it set out to do. This movie, I don't know if you could say the same that it set out to do everything it's trying to it's trying to do too much, probably. Actually, certainly. But I think the most important thing that I was looking for in this movie was some decent humor and just some good fun, you know, at the movies with with my fellow film critics who looked at me wondering like why I am the way I am when I was laughing so difficult at what I would call one of my favorite jokes in a movie this entire year i won't give it away but it's a it's a cameo that happens like late in the movie that i know will you don't agree with me because you're like it didn't to you the execution of the cameo under undersold it for you right my thing i think it's a good joke and i laughed in spite of the fact that i think they kind of botched the delivery which is that you can see who it is before he steps out into like the the locker room so they just kind of mess up the joke like it's supposed Which to be I, like I not... disagree because I still found it perfectly effective. But I mean, it's yeah, still works, I also think kids aren't kids aren't focused on the execution of it. I think like the kids might not recognize the person in the hallway. I just you like, can just also, see I, I'd, the I would actually face. I'd go as far as to say I don't think the average viewer would recognize as much. Like we, we got to remember we're very in tune to like Hollywood as people who talk about movies regularly. Um, most people might not recognize the 
outline of that person, the silhouette that you see before they enter the locker room. Yeah. And Matt, you're in Hollywood right now, aren't you? Like, aren't you like... Literally. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in Glendale, but yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, basically. I still think the joke works, to be clear. I, I laughed. I laughed at the silhouette because yeah. I was like, I saw where it was going. I was like, oh, this is a good joke. I'm glad yeah, they got Yeah, that's the thing. As soon as the joke starts, you know where it's going. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But it's it still worked on me, and that's all to say. If it was yes. if, if it wasn't for that joke, I probably would be a B minus. <laughs> but I, I just I'm just bumping it up a bit because I thought that that was such a great execute. Uh, you know, overall execution. Um, so yes. I like Space Jam: New Legacy. Hard to recommend this one though. Like I haven't been like yes. super quick to recommend it to people. I've been like dosing it with caveats of like, man, this movie has a very specific energy. I don't think everyone's going to be into it, but I was so. Chris, finish us out. Your final thoughts, your grade on this one. Uh, I'll give it a low C. Um, there were de- I, I really enjoyed the uh, 2D animation stuff. I liked the concept of where Bugs was in the world and as a character. Um, I think, you know, I mentioned Don Cheadle, uh, his acting. I think if he would have gotten a lot more campy, that would have been more fun. Um, but as a, as a villain, he's kind of a wet noodle and overall it's i think it's will put it really well it's just like it's way too busy it's got too many different ideas going on um and it's just it lacks a coherent identity there were a couple times that i laughed um i kind of just again watching on hbo max probably might have hampered it a little bit because i was maybe not um i didn't have my full undivided attention but not that I was like doing anything else while I was watching it. Just I found myself zoning out a couple times. But overall, I I just really didn't have a good time with it. But I didn't um, despise it like I thought I was going to. Because the f- the first real piece of media I saw was the notorious PIG rap. And I even I even tweeted out the the video with the only comment being John eleven thirty five, which is Jesus wept. Um, it's a good tweet, but. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think that kind of probably jaded me a little bit to, or conditioned me to hate the movie more. So I kind of went in expecting it to be awful and it was, it wasn't, but I, I really didn't enjoy it either. Um, I can see why people that did enjoy it would enjoy it. Um, but it, a lot of the choices it made just didn't, um, satisfy me. I didn't watch the trailer. So I kind of, you know, but I was aware of some things kind of going in cause of Twitter and screenshots and people talking about stuff. But yeah, I don't know if that affected my enjoyment of the movie at all. So who knows? I I want to also just mention I do like that the Looney Tunes take like direct umbrage to being made into CGI versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. Like oh, yeah. they're they're all immediate. I don't know if that's a spoiler, but it's in the trailer, so I think it's okay. They're all immediately upset, and Bugs even says the, like the classic like this means war, except <laughs> for Daffy. Yeah, a, which yeah, was Daffy's fitting. like I look expensive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked that. I thought the decision to have him screaming in pain during the whole thing was a little unsettling, though. <laughs> See, it's stuff like that where I'm just like, okay, they understand what I look for in a movie. Sure. I think ultimately, like, this just, for me, didn't have enough Looney Tunes. I, I get that. That's, That's a probably what it really boils down to. Like, they could have they excised 80% of the Warner Brothers IP references and done more Looney Tunes stuff, and I think this would have been at least a full grade better for me. I also think it's odd to sort of like have Speedy Gonzalez and Roadrunner. It's like you already have Roadrunner as a speedster, so it's like, what is what does Speedy bring to the table? Um, I thought that was a and isn't big Speedy oversight. voiced by 
Gabriel Iglesias. Gabriel Iglesias. I, yeah, Gabriel Iglesias in this. Which is hard to even tell because they don't really give him yeah, a Yeah, I didn't of, even know. Yeah, I didn't. You know, I didn't you, know you see the it in credits. The, the credits, yeah, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I saw an interview thing where he was just like, Gabriel Iglesias talks about how honored he was to play Speedy Gonzalez. And I was after I saw the film, like days after, I was like, I didn't even know that was Gabriel Iglesias. <laughs> uh, one thing that really bugged me, I just thought about this, is that um, Don Cheadle makes it uh, pretty much abundantly clear to Dom that he is a villain. And yet for the whole movie, Dom finds himself siding with him. Yeah. Like, I can't remember what exactly he says, like, oh, your dad never listens to you, or, like, whatever, because you're stupid, or I can't remember what he said. Basically, he says something re- relatively hurtful to Dom, and then, you know, Dom still sides with him for the better part of the movie. I thought that was very well, jarring. that's what the script tells me to do, so I'll follow the script. <laughs> <laughs> right. We didn't talk about the goon squad in this. Um, like, Clay Thompson kind of shows up here, Anthony Davis, and they, like, do puns on, like, their... Like, Clay Thompson is one of the Splash Brothers, so he's made of water... Um, but he's also fire and, uh, Anthony Davis, I think that kind of speaks for itself there. Um, and, and, but it, it does kind of, kind of tell you that we're in a different era for the NBA because like, I don't know, there, there's something compared to like the goon squad of the nineties that just isn't nearly as iconic or instantly iconic, I guess, but they do get uh, an appearance here. So I also I think little... the character is oh, the monsters. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the character design for the monsters was significantly worse than in the original. Wait, like I just... okay. The, so hang on, we need to let let me clarify. The monsters are the villains in the '96 version. Yeah, the yes. goon squad is the villains in this. Which are you talking about? <laughs> I think the monsters look better and are more visually interesting than the goon than squad. The goon which squad? Okay. Which I I kind of I, I forget. Like there's the one that the time one, and then there's like the lizard lady. <laughs> And then I think one catches on fire. White Mamba. White Mamba. And then, yeah, Clay Thompson is fire, fire. White water fire. Well, yeah, they're like um, elemental kind of. I, I agree with you there. Because the monsters were pretty intimidating. I was like, how could they beat those people? How could they beat those aliens? Like, it seems impossible. With this, I was like, this seems possible. They can handle them. They've done it before. Mm-hmm. Also, this movie does have a weird sort of like Space Jam did happen kind of. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like it you see Space Jam, how they, like the Looney Tunes remember it. Yeah, mm-hmm. the poster is in the movie at one point. Is there a poster for it? At one yeah, point? yeah. There's a po- there's a moment where I think Don Cheadle is like walking through all the movies and like the catalog or whatever, and Space Jam is there. And one of them is the Space Jam. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a big missed opportunity that they didn't travel into the Space Jam world and like interact with the original Space Jam characters. Oh yeah, that would have been fun. Well, yeah. Well, well. Yeah. They would have had to pay Michael Jordan a lot of money. But I, I also was going to say, though, that uh, I just wish there was a line from Don Cheadle of like, like when the Looney Tunes are playing basketball well, be like, ah, oh, dang it. You know, because like, he knows Space Jam happened clearly. So, like, why did he send LeBron to to the tune world? There was a little bit of hubris there. Missed opportunity to wax poetic about that character flaw and algae rhythm. So I guess that is where we should probably end this review before I think we go off on like 20 more tangents. So that's Space Jam, A New Legacy. Uh, you can watch it right now in theaters or on HBO Max for the next month. It is 115 minutes long, nearly two hours. And that's it. Thank you, Chris and Matt, for coming on. That was a really fun conversation about Space Jam, A New Legacy. I just wish, though, that we had recorded it. Yeah, me too. Uh, I... Oh, well. I might have recorded it. Wait, what? What? Yeah. But, Will, you said that you don't like podcasting you like basketball instead yeah well you know 
So you recorded the nice. whole, you recorded everything, even the part where I said that Space Jam New Legacy is good? Yeah. Oh, oh man. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's it for us this week. <laughs> Thank you as always for listening. Thanks, Matt <laughs> and Chris for jumping on the oh, show. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Chris, where can people find you on the internet and what are you up to these days? Oh, I'm doing this and that, you know. I was doing some Twitch streaming for a while, but uh, currently I'm just kind of on Twitter at uh, RealHawkRipJaw. Other than that, I'm not doing much of anything. I'm on Twitch at Sheriff Sheridan, but I haven't been active on there in a couple months, but I'll be getting back on soon. Were you playing games? Yeah. Oh, nice. So Hitman, Outlast, uh, Hunt Showdown, a few things. Yeah, just kind of whatever strikes my fancy at the time. I just finished the new Hitman a couple months ago, like the third one that they uh, added. That was a good game. It's fun, yeah. Yeah. All right, Matt Serafini, what about you? I am on Twitter at Matt Serafini. I post a lot of Muppet clips. That's uh, pretty much what I'm doing online these days. (laughs) Muppet Matt. All right. (laughs) Well, we should mention that we have a new episode of VA Ogre. Oh, yes. I was fishing for that a little bit. Yeah, this week it'll be out. I was a little disappointed by last month because there was a lot of gaslighting happening in that episode of Indian Ogre Tilt Ogre, and I didn't know what was what, who was who. Well, we made up for it. We watched the movie backwards this month. We recorded a conversation yesterday. It should be out in a couple days, so. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to subscribe to Cinemaholics on your favorite podcast app of choice or find us on YouTube. See you all next time.